Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. Today is episode 43 titled Rewards, Works, and Luther. The message today ties into good works. This topic is a little controversial or spicy for Protestants, but the Catholics and the Orthodox Christians both recognize works as part of the process of justification, which is 100% biblical. Today we'll talk about the Holy Sacraments also, because this all ties into the conversation of the integration of faith and works, or action. So let's dive in. Matthew chapter 10, verse 40 through 42 says, Whoever receives you, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. And one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person, because he is a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. This set of verses primarily focuses on receiving Christ and the good news of the gospel. There will be a reward given to those who believe and have faith, which is eternal life. Now when we receive the truth of Christ, we receive the Father. And that's Jesus telling us that, so it's indisputable, right? There are, however, two ways to look at this. One way we can receive Christ would be accepting God's word as true and accepting the gospel as true. However, there's another way that we can receive Christ, and that's by the Holy Eucharist and Holy Communion. For those who think the Holy Eucharist and Communion are not important, let's see what our Lord Jesus Christ has to say about that. Luke chapter 22 verse 19 says, And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do it in remembrance of me. Now, when I read those verses, it doesn't seem to me to say something like, If you feel like it, or if you go to a church that doesn't practice it, don't worry about it. When I read that, I see Christ saying, Do it. And that would be classified as a command from our Lord. So to me, that's not a non-negotiable. Now, this is where I'm going to be transparent and honest with you guys. I'm trying to find a church that either does communion or offers a Holy Eucharist. I currently don't go to a church that is practicing Christianity properly, and I'm working on it. And if any of you are in the same boat, I would say, rest assured, Christ is a patient and loving God, and He knows your heart. He knows your aim. He knows your intentions. And it's sad to say... But it's not easy finding a church that's committed to living out the totality of the Christian faith laid out in Scripture. They're genuinely hard to find. And just to give you an example, the Catholic faith right now is split. Where half, well not half, I don't know the exact numbers, but there are basically three organizations that the Catholics say represent their faith properly. So the Novus Ordo is rejected by true Catholics and they claim that the Pope is a heretic. And the three organizations that have fought to protect the fidelity of the Catholic faith is SSPX, FSSPX, and ICKSP. So you see there's, there's, there's division there as well because there are disagreements that have arised. So... The Catholics, it's not just the Protestants that have to fight to find a church that's biblically accurate. The Catholics have to fight to find a church that's biblically accurate and reject this Novus Ordo stuff and go with the traditional Holy Mass. And there are some doctrinal differences too. 
that have happened. And I want to say things started falling apart in around 1950s, 1960s, and I think there's some events centered around the Vatican II with the goal to modernize the church. So anyways, it's not just the Protestants that have division. So it's hard to find churches that are doing what's biblically accurate. So it's our job to seek out that church and do it correctly. Now let's talk about the controversial topic of works. The last verse in the set of verses we went over today says, Whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, by no means he will lose his reward. So this is an example of good works that we will receive as a reward from Christ if we do them. And here's the thing. The Bible absolutely advocates for good works, and we'll prove it with the following verses. Six short verses. James 2.17 says, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Well, that's pretty terrifying. So can faith save you if it's dead? I would say no. James 2.24 says, You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Oh, okay, so the Protestants do have it wrong. The process of justification is affected by works and not faith alone. Well, that's one of Martin Luther's sola scriptura. Martin Luther's sola scriptura violates James chapter 2. Well, then it can't be true. Titus 3.8 says, I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. So there you go. There's an apostle saying, devote yourself to good works. Well, that's interesting. Hebrews 10.24 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Well, there you go. There's more instruction from Paul. Pursue love, pursue good works. And again, St. Thomas Aquinas said, To love is to will the good of another. And that falls under good works, so it matches perfectly. Titus 2.7 says, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity and dignity. Well, there you go. It's instruction to show a model of good works. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Folks, that's not even the entire list. The list goes on. It is crystal clear that we should be zealous for good works. In fact, that's exactly what Paul says in Titus chapter 2, verse 13 through 14. Paul says in those verses, Our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. That, by the way, is another example of Jesus being God. Let's continue. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. So literally Paul is saying Jesus died so we could be purified and be zealous for good works. So again, where did all this controversy come from surrounded by works? The answer to that is Martin Luther. Now let me offer some information about Martin Luther. He actually wanted to remove some books of the New Testament, and he said the epistle of James was an epistle of straw. So for those of you who don't know this, the book of James is written by James, the brother of Jesus. So who do you think has more authority on spiritual matters? The brother of Christ, who was an apostle, or a reformer 1,500 years after the death of Christ? It's clear the biblical canon and the brother in Christ are the authority on the matter. Now let's talk about the holy sacraments, because that is something else Luther changed that falls under the category of works or action. 
The Orthodox Christians have seven sacraments. The Catholic Christians have seven sacraments. But the Protestants, however, have only one to three sacraments depending on the denomination. Now, most Protestants adhere to water baptism, That's, but few practice any other sacraments. The Lutherans only practice water baptism, confession, and the Holy Eucharist. So let's really quick go over all of the sacraments, all seven, and the verses to support them. All right? Sacrament one, water baptism. And the reason I'm going to give you the verses is so you can go and verify this yourself. Water baptism, Matthew 28, 19. Now, there's three terms you can consider the next one. Confirmation, chrismation, or baptism by the Holy Spirit. They're all closely related, okay? There's a lot of verses that support this one. And this is the one, I, the reason I put a bunch of verses in here is because it's difficult to get a grab on. But once you cross-analyze all the verses and you understand the purpose of confirmation, chrismation, and baptism by the Holy Spirit, it's 100% biblical. All right, so confirmation or baptism by the Holy Spirit, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Mark chapter 1, verse 8, John chapter 2, verse 4, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, Acts chapter 8, verse 14 through 16, Acts chapter 19, verse 4 through 6, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Now, confession or penance or reconciliation, that is, Crystal clear in James 5.16. That's the third one. Number four, the Holy Eucharist or communion. We've hit that verse already. Luke chapter 22, verse 19. Holy orders or ordination. This is another difficult one that you have to grab a couple verses and cross-analyze. But once you cross-analyze these five verses, then it becomes crystal clear. So you'll find evidence for the fifth sacrament, holy orders and ordination, in Titus chapter 1, verse 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1. Acts chapter 14, verse 23. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Now the sixth one is marriage. This to me is, it, it is beyond unacceptable, beyond unacceptable that the Protestant faith does not consider marriage a sacrament and neither did Luther. That is an absolute, it's, it's so wrong and unacceptable, it's unbelievable. And the evidence for marriage, how it relates to Christ in the church between the husband and the wife, that's Ephesians chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 22 through 33. Now, I will tell you, there are some Bibles that will put verse 21 paired into the instruction within a Christian household and people will say the wife, or excuse me, the husband has to submit to the wife based on Ephesians 5, chapter 20, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. That is a lie, okay? That is a incorrect Bible. Matthew, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 is for the set of verses above. That is for instructions within the household of a church or a church body in a church setting, right? So that's to maintain peace in the congregation. The home instruction starts Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 through 33. So if you read a Bible and you go to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21 is paired in for the instruction of a Christian household, that Bible is translated incorrectly. And you can study, this is not my opinion, this is the opinion of scholar, 
scholars who have their like PhDs and masters in biblical exposition, and they'll even say it in some of the commentaries, it's completely not biblical. Ephesians 5.21 is for the above set of verses. The instruction for a Christian household and marriage starts Ephesians 5.22 through 33. Last sacrament, number seven, anointing and prayer for the sick. That's James chapter five, verse 14. So now back to Luther. The Protestants removed the majority of the sacraments, even though all of them are biblical. And we went through the verses. So again, I must ask, who is correct? Is the Bible correct? Or is a reformer 1,500 years after the resurrection of Christ correct? When that person said that the brother of Christ wrote an epistle of straw, and he removed more than 60% of the biblically-based sacraments. Now, I think the answer is crystal clear. The Bible will always and must always be the authority on any Christian matter. However, therein lies another problem. Each Christian faith disagrees on what book should be in the Bible. The Orthodox Christians say 77, the Catholic Christians say 73, and the Protestant Christians say 66. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist by any means, but the number 66 sure seems a little off-putting to me. And if you're wondering who changed the Catholic Bible from 73 to 66 books, the Protestants have now. The answer to that is Martin Luther. Certainly you're not shocked. Let's close with a summary of today. Number one, nine short summaries. Number one, receiving the apostles results in receiving Christ. However, we also need to participate in communion in the Holy Eucharist to receive Christ in the form of communion that way. It is biblical. So find if, you're not, if your church isn't doing it, find a church that's doing it. Number two, receiving a prophet results in receiving a prophet's reward. Number three, receiving a righteous person results in receiving a righteous person's reward. Number four, even a small demonstration of good works, such as offering a drink of water, will result in a reward. Number five, good works matter, and they are a part of the process of justification. Number six, our great God and Savior, Jesus, literally gave himself for us to be zealous for good works. Number seven, James, the brother of Jesus, did not write an epistle of straw. Nothing in God's word is straw. Martin Luther's comment was full of straw. Number eight, all seven sacraments matter because it is how we act out our faith, how we demonstrate our commitment to Jesus Christ, and how we maintain order and accountability within the body of believers or household of faith. So if you're going to a church that isn't biblically accurate and they're not doing any of the sacraments, well then, probably should find a church that takes the sacrament seriously. That would be my recommendation. That's what I'm looking for. Number nine, it would be wise for us to investigate the different Bibles and different doctrines to see what is biblically accurate and what isn't. That's all we have for today, folks. I know that was a lot of information, but all important stuff that are tightly linked to the same idea that was so controversial throughout history. So I hope everyone has a great day. Fight the good fight. God bless.